The following podcast is a presentation of Liberty Christian Fellowship, loving God and loving people in a hurting world. For more information about our church, visit us online at libertyobx.com. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates and encouragement. We hope this message inspires you and blesses you. Now prepare your hearts to hear a powerful word from God. God bless. We were planning on doing this series of messages uh, to kind of start out our fall this year to look at some core things about this process and this journey that the Lord has gotten us into. Um, our, uh, our media and a creative team uh, put that together, and I just thought they did a tremendous job. I appreciate it because snapshots from around a Sunday on a family, and uh, truthfully, if you're not aware and you're visiting this morning, when we have about 60, 70 kids in the back on an average Sunday for two services, you know, we're not just doing color sheets and babysitting back there, but they're talking about Jesus and they're having worship and their lives are changing. I think we had well over a hundred kids this past Thursday night um, out at a bonfire for a youth ministry here. And my understanding is 15 to 18 kids gave their life to Christ on Thursday. Is that right? And uh, I just want you to know, yeah, listen, the world's changing. That's what it's all about. I mean, we gather for a reason, don't we? I mean, if, if Jesus isn't real and he's not alive, we could be doing something else today. Because if you're a surfer, we've had like three weeks of really good waves. And it's going to continue to be that way this week. You really could be somewhere else. But we're here. Why are we here? Because it's real. And it's true. And it matters. Amen. And uh, we were at the altar last week with, a, with an adult gentleman who uh, gave his life to Christ. And it was just incredible how Jesus still lives and he is still bringing dead things to life and setting people free. It's not just some story in a book. Amen? Amen. Listen, um, I know if you were at all like me, I wouldn't presume that you're like me, because I could be a little strange or weird, but, um, but I presume you're at least in the circle of humanity, that at some point you have, have asked yourself the question of why am I here? You might have already asked that this morning when Melinda got excited with some flags and we get the loud music going and we love it, Melinda, wherever you are. It's awesome. Keep bringing it, girl. Um, Right? You may say, what am I doing here? Um, We've all asked that question. Um, I had one of those moments this summer to where I actually audibly out loud asked myself that question of why am I here? And um, it was 4th of July week. And I had gone to buy dog food. And I went to Walmart. And it was Saturday. And those of us who live here know that Saturday, 4th of July week, when we go 200,000 cars on the road, and there's like one lane, right? I mean, one road between north and south. And so I went to Walmart because at Walmart, the dog food is about $2 cheaper than it is at the grocery store. So I'm standing in Walmart with a whole lot of people where Walmart is their first stop coming in from the north side. And and so I'm in there and it's wall-to-wall people. I can't find a lane. I just want to buy dog food. And it's funny how people should be happy going on vacation, but I find that people are in a hurry going on vacation. And so it's tense in Walmart in the summer. And so I really did. I'm standing there kind of waiting a long line with a big bag of dog food trying to save $2. And I was like, why am I here? Right? (laughs) Why am I here? Funny enough, though, as I was really praying through and reflecting a little bit about this morning, 
All of us, that's a question that we deal with from funny circumstances to difficult circumstances um, to profound moments in life to where we really are asking ourselves, why am I here? What am I doing? What is this about? What's the purpose in this? And if you're that person this morning that's been struggling in that circumstance in your life, like is, there, is it even worth another day? Why am I here? Why am I even doing this? Why did I get up this morning? You may be dealing with some things with your kids and their next steps of, uh, of faith or school. We just took our daughter to, to ministry school out in California, 3,005 miles away. And, um, right? And, and she's going through next steps of her life. I mean, in good moments, difficult moments, funny moments, unexpected moments. It's a thing that keeps coming back of why am I here? Well, here's the amazing thing. That is a question that God is eager to and has always wanted to answer for us. And so this morning, we're just going to talk about that a little bit in light of this message series that we've been in about belonging, um, uh, believing, and becoming. And uh, so if you, if you will, I want you to flip over to Psalm 139. I just want to read a couple of scriptures to you getting into this. And, um, and pray that the Lord will say some of the things to you that he's been speaking to me over the last few days. Um, couple of answers here. Why am I here? Some of these you're going to know. Um, if not, if these are new to you, they'd be great for you to write down, mark in your Bible. Your Bible's under your seats. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, you can move, uh, use one of those you find in a chair around you, and then we would encourage you to take that one home, okay? So you can have one, and you can underline and write in that thing. So this is Psalm 139, uh, starting with verse 13. It says this. I love this passage. It says, For you created my inmost being. This is referring to God, that God created the inmost being. It says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. If you flip over to Colossians, um, in chapter 1, we'll pick up there in just a second too. It's an easy answer. Why are you here? God made you. How about that? Here's answer number one. How is it that you showed up? Well, God intended for you to be here. Okay? I know that was profound. You were waiting for, for some big moment, weren't you? Um, I want you to look down at uh, verse 16 with me. Um, actually... Um, Actually, start with verse 15. I'm going to back up one because um, I love just to set the stage of how amazing Jesus is. It says right here, it says, The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities or you, uh, all things have been created through him or by him and, and, uh, and for him. By him and for him. So the first thing is you're here because God created you. The word purpose is an amazing word. Uh, I did a, some teaching for a couple of Friday nights at our Friday night service here. And uh, uh, a few weeks back on this idea of purpose. And uh, purpose can kind of have two faces, if you will. Um, uh, like, as you have said to a sibling, hopefully not your spouse or this morning on way to church of, you did that on purpose. Right? 
or those of us that are Christmas story fans that watch the 24-hour marathon around the holidays of you used up all the glue on purpose. Anybody see that movie? That's homework. Okay. Doing something on purpose. You meant to, right? Purpose. I purpose to do something. So that's this first end here is God purposed to create. And when he purposed, he purposed to you. He meant to. Regardless of how you arrived, okay, there's probably across the room some pretty interesting stories about how you got here. Whether it was the 70s and a VW bus, whether it was like, you're like in our house, like we had this plan. We're going to have three kids and that didn't work out that way either, right? It's funny how that happens. And uh, we had this whole crazy, amazing journey where we had a plan. We purposed about how we were going to have kids and three and, you know, we were going to have like, we wanted a boy and a girl and, and then one extra, whichever we got. And uh, uh, we wound up with, uh, with the Lord allowing us to, to carry six children. And uh, we have, for those of you that don't know us in our story, we have three that are with Jesus that we get to play with later. We have three that are here that we get to play with now. But we have a big family, right? But we purpose, right? Other folks feel like nobody meant for them to be here. There are probably some folks in here that had the, the beautiful um, opportunity to be adopted, where somebody purposed, right, to go, and it was you that they got and brought home. God purposed for you to be here. Now, that may be a simple concept, but I don't think we can bypass too quickly the gravity of that, the intentionality of God for there to be a you. Why are you here? Because God wanted you here. Value is a word to apply to that. Value. All right, the second thing here, I want us to look at this. It says in Colossians 1.16, again, all things were created by him and for him. So not only were you created by God, God meant for there to be a you, but you were also created for him. So not only were you created on purpose, you're created with purpose. You're created for him. That God said, I want one of those for me. I want this interaction. I want this relationship. It's purpose. And then if you look over at Ephesians, just a, a number of pages back, in chapter 2, uh, down in verse 10, there's this great passage that says this. For we are God's handiwork. Another translation of that would be masterpiece. You're God's masterpieces. Did you say that when you looked in the mirror this morning? I have like Yahoo serious hair in the morning for those of you who remember him or nutty professor hair in the mornings when I look in the mirror. And it's pretty amazing too since it's thinning out and I'm getting a little shiny on top. Um, yeah. I don't always look in the mirror and say that to myself. But God's word right here says that you are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for you to do. Now I want you to let that sink in for a second. Created in Christ Jesus, by him and for him, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I want you to think about this for a second, is that God not only purposed for there to be a you, and then he was like, well, we'll see what they're like, and we'll figure out what we do with them. But that God created you with some plans, with some things that he wants to unfold in your life. 
Now, often when people get serious about the Lord, sometimes they get a little nervous because they're like, oh, God's going to make me do weird things. You know, I'm going to have to dress a little nicer and I'm going to have to read a book that I don't understand. And, you know, then I'm going to have to go talk to my, have these awkward conversations with people who don't believe like I do and tell them about believing. And I don't know about this. When I traveled with Creative Ministries, um, um, in the 80s, there was a song we used to do a skit to that said, please don't send me to Africa. I don't think I have what it takes, right? A song about a person who doesn't want to go on a missions trip. And some people have that mindset. But here's the thing. If God is all-knowing and God is good and God purposed for there to be a you, and when he purposed you, he created all this amazing stuff for you, don't you think it would make sense that he made all this stuff to go exactly with the way that he made you? So that all the stuff that God wants to unfold in your life is only stuff that's going to be amazing for you that you're going to love and exactly fits with the way that he made you. And so many people are frustrated and struggling and and struggling in the walk with God because they're trying to shape things the way that they want them instead of just trusting and surrendering to the one who made everything for you in the way that you would really want it when you step into it because it exactly fits to how he created you. Now, it doesn't mean it's all easy, Anybody figured that out yet? Okay. Had kids, right? It's not easy. I've been discovering in recent years in some of the counseling sessions that I do of meeting with people and then also dealing with myself, you know, Yahoo Serious in the Mirror. I uh, find that often that there are people who want to feel better but not necessarily be better because being better is a little harder sometimes. And sometimes on the way to being better and stepping to everything you were creating better, created for, it doesn't always feel good in passing, right? And so sometimes we'll sacrifice everything that God has for us that will be incredible and eternal and that we'll love and fulfills all the purposes that he created us for and we'll trade it for feeling better in the moment. And uh, by him and for him, on purpose, with purpose, thought about ahead of time. You ever go, had somebody throw you a surprise party or go to dinner at somebody's house? And when you show up like it's all set, they prepare this nice meal or their gifts, surprise party. Um, there's all this stuff. And there's this thing that happens in your heart like, they thought about me. They planned ahead for me. Right? It's amazing, isn't it? Um, with mass communication of Facebook, Facebook message, email, uh, Twitter direct message, Instagram, Instagram direct message, uh, uh, good gracious, Snapchat, Snapchat over here, right? Okay, with the young crowd, all right. With all of that, who got a handwritten note recently? I want you to see how few hands are up. How awesome was that? Like now when you get a handwritten note, you're like, somebody really took the time. They thought about me. They prepared something for me. I want you to think about that feeling for a minute. That sense of value that comes from something having been prepared. How much more eternally huge is that then when God says he's got stuff prepared for you? That he thought about ahead of time when he thought about you. It's pretty amazing. On purpose, with a purpose. But you know, this passage of scripture says works. Good works. Stuff to do. How many of you like it when somebody calls you and says, hey, I got some stuff for you to do? Right? 
It's like, oh, here we go. Here's the sales pitch, right? Because we're in church and they need volunteers for something. They got something for us to do. Or, yeah, we got to, I know I'm supposed to be reading my Bible more. Or they want to tell me to get in a small group. Yeah, get in a small group. No apologies about that. You need people to do life with you, okay? So we get this sense of, do you know how much I'm already doing? how complicated my life is. So now there's the pitch of, okay, well, we got stuff to do for God. Listen, God doesn't need you to do stuff for him. He doesn't need me to do stuff for him. He's perfectly kind of able himself. He did just kind of say, let there be light, and it kind of just happened. He didn't even have to screw in a light bulb. He didn't have to buy a light bulb from the dollar store, which is where we get ours. He did not have to flip a switch. He just said, let there be light. He does not need us to do stuff for him, okay? But we'll get this mindset of we got stuff to do. There is a real secret in this. And the thing that we've got to get past is the feeling that I have sometimes where we feel like the person at the end of a parade with a push broom, right? Where there's a bunch of stuff in front of us some of it is four-legged hairy animals that leave stuff behind and you're just in the back sweeping it all up. Sometimes that's just what it all feels like. Good works. Got work to do. And that's what it feels like to us sometimes. And I just want you to understand that that's really not the right mindset about what we've been invited into. We've been in this series of messages now, this third week, where we've had these three words. Uh, belong, believe, and become. A few years ago, we were cycling through some language. And listen, how many of we know language is important, right? Um, and uh, it's fun. Um, uh, John and Shelly, we have a pool at the house. And uh, John and Shelly uh, Richardson were helping us with our pool one day. And we were sitting there talking about, because I don't know anything I, you know, about all of that. I really didn't do well in chemistry in high school. And so we're going through the stuff with the pool. And I'm, I'm getting words I can't pronounce related to some of the, 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 all I know is with some of those things, it's like, I know I don't want to drink that stuff because it, it had the word acid in it. And uh, some of it, right? I'm like, and you want me to do what? I did we get my hands down on that? You're, you know, and chlorine burns your eyes. And, and they're telling me all about all this stuff. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You know, uh, uh, can you help me and simplify this for me so that I'll understand it? And they talked me through that process. So language is important, right? That we have something we understand. So and we as a staff, as we were talking about discipleship process, about the journey that every one of us is on from the time we don't know Jesus to when we begin to step into the purposes that he has for us on this journey, that we wanted to be able to communicate some language here so that people kind of understand the process of our family. And so we were using these words, connect, grow, and serve. And because we want people to come and to connect to God and connect to one another, right? And we want people to, uh, to come and to grow in their faith and grow in their knowledge of God. And then we want people to find where God's calling them to serve. Well, then last year, when God totally wrecked us in a great way with this language about home and about what God had created the family to be and our family process, because the church isn't an institution or some sterile organization, but that what we are born into when we come to Christ is a family. It's a family that we've been invited into. So we began to deal with our language a little bit, and that's when uh, we began to grapple with these ideas of belong and believe and become. Yeah, they all start with B. It makes it a lot easier to remember, right? And uh, so the word belong, what's that all about? It's that 
every human being that you have ever met or will ever see was created to belong. Every single one. You need to understand that when we look out in the world that the heart cry of God is for all the children to come home. So much so that he gave his own son to die on a cross for the sins of the world to give the invitation and make it possible for them to come home. Every person you see belongs in the family, should be home. And as they come home and they come to believe in Christ, we want them to learn to believe the right things about God and the right things about themselves. Because there's people in this room, because I've been one of them too, and there are people all around society and certainly what you see on the news and Facebook that have wrong belief about God and wrong belief about themselves. They believe something about God, but it's not right. They believe things about themselves, but it's not what God says about them. Right belief is so important to understand that when it says in Scripture that the spirit we received is a spirit of adoption and that by that spirit we cry, Abba, Father. It's not a spirit of judgment so that we cry out in penance and God let us pay for it all. If we'll do enough stuff, God won't be mad at us anymore. That's not what it says. It says the cry of God that all the people should come home, a spirit of adoption that God wants to adopt children. He wants us to come home. And that when we receive that, the cry that goes off within us is Abba, Father, which is Daddy God. Abba was an intimate word for Father in the language there. We want people to, because when you begin to believe the right things, it transforms your life. You see differently. You can see from heaven's perspective. And then we enter into a process, a journey of becoming. The scripture says in Galatians 5, it says that Jesus died for us, and it says this, that we might become the righteousness of God that we might become the righteousness of God. Now, I told you guys last night that uh, righteousness is kind of a churchy word, right? And you hear that word thrown around. And everybody ever realize that Christians kind of have their own language? Do you know that most of the rest of the world does not understand our language? You're talking about chlorine and sodium bicarbonate and pool chemicals to the world sometimes. Right? And what they need is a conversation which only comes out of relationship, which we'll get into in a minute, with people. Righteousness, I told you guys last week, it simply means right relationship. Rightly related. That when Jesus died on the cross, he put us right with the Father. That phrase, you got to get right with God, you hear me say it all the time, you can't get right with God. If you could get right with God, you wouldn't need Jesus. Jesus puts us right with the Father. Through the death on the cross and so we can come home. We're not to fear. He puts us right with the Father. The wrath is satisfied, as the scripture. In other words, God ain't angry. God's not mad at you. That stuff's been paid for. He just wants you to come home. We have so much fear when in reality, when we would come to God, we would discover that we'd just be met by love. Met by a loving and good Father. He wants to unfold all kinds of incredible things in your life as you live and, and follow him. This word righteousness, so important for us personally, not just for understanding of God, because once we understand who he is and what he's like, then we can rightly begin to see how he sees us. And he doesn't see you as a failure or an adulterer or a liar. He just sees you as a son or daughter that he wants home. 
That's how he sees you. That Jesus is not a window that we stand on the outside and look through him to see what he really wants us to be if we can ever get there. But that actually Jesus is a mirror into which we look and we see the reflection from him back how he sees us. And the more we press into him, the more our lives can be transformed and we can see ourselves like he sees us. And the amazing thing that happens is then we begin to be transformed and we begin to live like it. Because we know who we are. I told you guys last week about my friend who had been told his whole life that he didn't have the sense that God gave a peanut is what his dad told him his whole life. Lived under comparison with an older sibling who made really good grades and did really well to the point at which he was failing school, not doing well, had tons of bad behavior and in a lot of trouble. Until one day somebody sat down with him and helped him understand that he was not what he had always been told he was. And as soon as he discovered the truth, He went on to become the valedictorian of his college that year when he graduated. Because it was all about right belief. Understanding the truth about himself, not what everybody else had said about him, but what God says about him. And then what that does is that looses us to learn to be rightly related with other people. Hurt people hurt people. That person who's treating you so awful... Often it's just because they've got a lot of really difficult, horrible stuff going on in their own lives. And they lash out, right? Wounded animals bite. True? And so hurt people hurt people so often. But what happens is when we find that healing in the Lord, it allows us to begin to rightly serve and love other people. My dad says this. If you guys will flip over to John 13, one of my favorite quotes from my dad, he says, that righteousness being about right relationships, that you are never more rightly related to somebody than you are when you're washing their feet. You're never more rightly related to somebody than you are when you're serving them, when you're washing their feet. John chapter 13, this is a real familiar passage in light of that for some of us. And we're going to read through this a little bit together. And i got a couple things that I want to pull out to you. One thing in particular, as I was kind of preparing for today, and of course we've been talking about just the discipleship process of this church family and what we believe. There for those of you guys that call this place home, that it's the journey that we're on together as a family. So I'm preparing in that light. And about 8 o'clock last night, the Lord just drilled me with something in this passage that I've never really paid attention before. And I sat on my couch and cried. It's pretty amazing, me and the dog. And um, so I want to start with verse 1 with me here in chapter 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, which is just an echo of what Kristen said to you this morning straight from Scripture. He doesn't just love you to the end of this service or until you act better or until you have a better day, but he loves you because he purposed for you to be here. In the world, here we are. He loves you all the way to the end. That's what it says right here. I love that passage. Now, what's taking place here is Jesus is getting ready to be crucified and die for the sins of the world on the cross. And the night before, he's having a meal with his fellows and um, sharing some things, comfort with them, unpacking some things with them about the change that's getting ready to take place. And then he does this. Verse 2, the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already uh, prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. 
After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And then we have some verses there where this totally freaked the guys out. Totally freaked out the disciples. And we'll talk about that in a second. And then down in verse 12, it says, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them, You call me teacher and Lord, and that is rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I say to you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Um, In this culture, some of you may have heard this before, um, it was a hierarchical uh, culture. There's a hierarchy there. Um, different layers and levels of people, if you will. And with high level people, keepers of the law, Pharisees, uh, rabbis, teachers, priests, these kind of people did not do things that were considered of lowly position. There were servants for that stuff. People who pushed the broom. And so in this circumstance here, often when someone would come into a home where there would be a servant for this, that there would be a person who would wash their feet on the way into the house. It was a customary thing to do. If you imagine a couple thousand years ago, we did not have nicely paved streets with these street sweepers and people who clean the roads and all that different stuff like that. But these were dusty, dirty places, really dusty, dirty places. Our guys sweeping up. And, uh, and that also you had animals all over these roads. So there was some of that stuff that would be stepped in. It was really very, very dirty, very dusty, very dirty. If it rained, it'd be very, very muddy. And so it was a very dirty job for someone to wash feet. And I would have people of lower position to do it. So as you can imagine, Jesus, who is a rabbi to these disciples, Jesus is everything. And when he gets up from the table, and begins to wash their feet. It's, it's shocking to them. You would have heard a gasp in the room. Like, what in the world are you doing? In verse 8, Peter in particular goes, No, you're not washing my feet. He was horrified at the process. Maybe it was a whisper like, Jesus, what are you doing? Right? Maybe it was loud like, You're not, no way, you're not washing my feet. Probably looking around the room like, What in the world? It would have been a very shocking thing. Of course, Jesus tells him that it's super important that he does this. I wonder for us sometimes how often, how often the very thing that we could do that would be incredible and unfold something incredible, we miss because maybe it doesn't fit our paradigm. Maybe it's a little out of our box and that kind of thing. We build these little worlds that we live in when we forget that God has created us with some things that he prepared ahead of time. And I think sometimes we miss those things that have been prepared for us because they don't necessarily fit in the world that we've constructed for ourselves. Or maybe it's not quite as acceptable to some other people in our life. Maybe we feel like, well, if I mean, if I go do this thing that I feel like I'm supposed to be doing, there will be gasps in the room, right? Just throwing that out there to you. What was Jesus doing? I mean, really? I want you to think about this. How would Jesus do this? Like, I know this is Jesus, right? So he has an intimate relationship with the Father. Father goes, hey, Jesus, wash your feet. So Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to wash their feet, okay? 
But from the outside looking in, and you're Peter, you're going, what in the world is going on? Well, this is where I got wrecked at about 8 o'clock last night. Um, And I want you to catch this. I want you to back up and look at verse 3 with me. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal and washed their feet. I'm really hungry. So when Pastor Scott lets us go in a short little bit, I'm going to go get a sandwich. My grass is super, super tall, and my neighbors have been gawking out of the window. I caught one of them with a ruler measuring my grass in the neighborhood. So I am going to mow the grass when I get home. Could happen in my neighborhood. Um, So it could happen in my house. Sometimes the grass, you should have seen it after summer camp. It was like Luke mowed my grass one time this summer, right? It was super tall. Okay. What you know and what becomes apparent to you, what you understand often becomes your so. Because of what Jesus knew, that propelled him to do something. Jesus knew that all authority was his. Jesus knew where he had come from. Jesus knew where he was going. So evidently the right response to that is to serve. Blew my mind last night, because I'm thinking, okay, right, we know the story. Jesus is setting the example for us to follow, and we should be servants of other people. Sure, absolutely. When the scripture tells us that Jesus is the exact image of the Father, right? That the scripture tells us that he is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. If you want to know what God would say, look at Jesus. If you want to know how God would treat people, look at Jesus. If you want to know what a godly attitude is, look at Jesus because Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. He is everything that God is in a human body, right? So when Jesus says, hey, go and serve, then, yeah, that's our example. That's what God would do. That's what we ought to be about. But what's beautiful and what's unpacked for us here a little earlier in this passage is what's underneath that hood. It's not just, okay, I got work to do. God said, serve people. I'm going to serve people. Listen, you'll be blessed if you do that. But underneath it is something very profound. God wants you to know what can be in you in Christ. And looking at where God has brought you from and having full confidence of where you're going, it'll lead you to do the things that God has prepared ahead of time for you to do. So many people are missing what God has for them because they haven't settled in their heart who God says they are. They don't have a real grasp that the king of the universe lives in them by faith in Christ. They haven't laid a hold of the idea that if Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth then that means that all authority in heaven and earth lives in you. And then instead of looking back with a ton of regret at all the mess I've been toting around like a bag of rocks called my past, I can look at it and go, Jesus has brought me from there. And I'm not there anymore. And then I'm looking down the road and he's taken me somewhere. And he's good. And every good and perfect gift comes from him. And I have a destiny and I have a purpose. I'm going somewhere. 
Well, yeah. Then all of a sudden you can look around at the needs around you going, hey, you got to have some of this because I know it's for you too. Hey, I was there and now God brought me out. Why don't you come with me? You can come out too. Knowing what was in him, knowing where he'd come from, and knowing where he was going, so he washed their feet. So when we talk about a process of becoming, a journey, stepping into everything God has for you, because you come home by faith because you belong to the family. You should be home. And when you have faith in Christ, you become part of the family, and you grow in who he is and how good he is, and you understand he's not mad, but that he's actually ecstatic over you. That there's a divine heavenly smile over your life and he wants you to have all of it, right? And you can discover who he says you are, that you're a son or daughter. If you've placed faith in Christ, you're not lost or a failure or hopeless. There's no hopeless people. There's no hopeless circumstances. I said to you earlier that in Christ, you're sons and daughters of the most high God. Then you're on this amazing adventure where you get to walk out your souls. It's the thing in you that will lead you and guide you into everything he's created you for. But often we're just grasping for control, trying to shape it the way we'd be comfortable with instead of just releasing it all to him and say, okay, daddy, like Jesus, whatever he says, let's do it. Because it's only going to be good. We tend to think sometimes about serving people in terms of reaching out to someone and with all of our brokenness, right, because we got our own junk going on, and we're reaching out trying to lay hold of these people and pull them up, and right? That's what we think about serving. Well, i got to get into that and help them out. And Here's an amazing thing about that is as your hand reaches out and locks hands with somebody else to help them, the world mindset would have us to think that there's this effort and work to pull them up. But the truth is what happens is when you lock hands with somebody else in service, you both get pulled deeper into the Father's heart. So what serving does to us. It takes us to deeper places. How many of you have ever just done something nice for someone else or whatever just because you did it and you came away from it with a great sense of fulfillment and peace? How much more is that when that's God-directed and those things that God's asking you to put your hands to? Um, I was listening to a podcast on a trip this past week. And uh, um, it was after, actually, I left Bojangles. Bojangles, amen, anybody? (laughs) Cajun Pintos, thank you, Jesus. I love those things. But uh, I got the split smoked sausage biscuit. Um, We can talk about gluttony on another Sunday, but... um, but, uh, and so on my way into Bojangles, there was this beautiful lady, older lady that was uh, doing the glass windows in the breezeway for you. They're going into, because you got to go all the way to Plymouth before you see a Bojangles, right? And um, it's, like, it's like two promised land destinations. If you go north, eventually you get to Chick-fil-A. If you go south, you eventually get to Bojangles. But anyway, so I go in the door. I go, because we don't have them out here. And so I go in the door, and there's this lady in there. And, um, and so she smiles, and good south, right? Good southern south. Hey, honey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And so I'm like, hey, how you doing? Because I am the talkative extrovert. And so we're just chit-chatting. And so I go to open the door, and I, she was kind of make emotions like she was going to go in. And she's like, no, honey, you go ahead. I said, no, my mama raised me right. You go first. And so she goes on in the door, get my stuff on the way out. She's back over there. And, and so we get to talk and I get in the car and I'm listening to this podcast of this guy talking about enjoyment. Um, as part of what he was talking about. The fact is that joy is part of the journey, but it's only found in journeying with Christ. 
Because everything else is happiness that depends on happenings. Things happen well, you're happy, they happen bad, you're not happy. But joy is something that comes from a different source that's found on the journey with Jesus. And so he's just talking about how there is joy, there's enjoyment. And it's just something, I just really enjoy being nice to people. Like, and I ain't talking about like, well, sure, you should be. No, I, no, no. I mean, probably in a sick sense for me. Like, it's hobby. Like, I like being nice to people. Like, when I encounter the rude person, probably at Walmart, but, and uh, I like being, I just like being nice to them because they don't know how to react, right? But I just really do. I really enjoy it. And I was thinking through, and how I come away all the time with a sense of fulfillment and a peace about, right? Just by doing the little thing along the journey, how much more so when we do those things that God asks us to do, suddenly these works that were prepared ahead of time for us to do, actually they're get-tos that we get called into that shape us, mold us, they change the world, and it was everything you were created for, and you'll love it. Yes, absolutely. So if you will imagine, if you will, when Jesus went down, knelt down to wash these guys' feet, as muddy and as nasty and as dirty as they were. Sometimes we don't want to get busy because sometimes it's messy, right? I got all this other stuff going on, stuff that God never asked us to do anyway, but we're all involved in all this stuff that's consuming our life. And we go, well, gosh, well, I got to get into that. I don't know. I mean, it's going to take a lot of my time or I don't know. I don't want to go over there this afternoon. I'm tired and whatever it is. It's messy. In a sense, we don't want the mess to get on us, to get our hands in it. But here's the amazing thing. When Jesus kneels down at these messy feet and he gets his hand down in the water to wash these guys' feet, the amazing thing about washing something like that is the whole process of getting those feet clean, every bit of dirt that got on his hands would have been washed off at the same time. Right? We construct these things in our mind often about what it'll be if I get more involved or if I... Guys... God has something for you. He doesn't want something from you. You give him your life and all the rest of it is he wants to pour into you everything he created you for. So that's why we need to have no fear about being about his business because in that journey and in that process is a sense of becoming. If I get the worship team to come as we get ready to close here today. Um, in John 13 here down in verse 34 and 35, further down in the chapter, you can look at it. He says, new command I give to you, that you love one another. Right? Go love one another. The amazing thing is, for us, we're probably going to have to let some things go. We're probably going to have to be less involved in certain things so we can be a part of the God things. But the God things are the things you're really looking for anyway. Three years ago, I had the opportunity to go to the Dominican Republic with the youth uh, on a missions trip. And Pastor Catherine was with us, um, Pastor Jamie um, and uh, Faye and Clefan. We were all there. And uh, we were staying in the hotel there uh, right on the street there in Igwe. And uh, down off the lobby was this kind of empty, run-down room that, was, that used to be a casino, evidently. And uh, there were still the big tables with the green cloth in them. And uh, so we would beat around the casino table um, to pray about our day and the things the Lord would have us to do to practice some things and whatnot. And um, one, uh, one day we were in there and it's right street level with people walking by. Um, there's this little, little boy that was walking by. And if I remember right, he had a shoe shine box with him, but he had no shoes. 
And, uh, and so through a process or whatever, he wound up in there with us and we're talking with him and the kids got super uh, pumped up about a, a get to like, here's this kid. What are we going to do? We do something with this. And they were desperate to get him a pair of shoes. Um, I believe it was Parker that wound up giving him a pair of his own shoes. But in the process of this whole awesome moment, so just incredible God moment, we found ourselves all gathered around this kid praying with him to receive Christ. And so there's this little boy that leaves the hotel there with Jesus in a pair of shoes. And I'm telling you, the Dominican's different because of it. I don't know how much and what ways, but here's what I know happened. There's a group of kids who just sacrificed their spring break from school to say, hey, we're going to go because we feel like God said go. So they just went on the journey. And the process of the journey, they're having all these amazing experiences of just being friends on a road trip. Who doesn't love a road trip, right? And uh, as well as being a part of ministry stuff that was awesome. They had worked hard. They had done fundraising, all of that to be able to go. People, other people had sacrificially given for them to be able to be there. They're sharing the gospel, investing in the lives of kids and other people and and other people were, were coming to Christ there in a Haitian village that we went to. And uh, culminating in this cool moment that afternoon, all the way down to just a pair of shoes and a prayer. And I know that for me, I was forever changed in that moment and wouldn't trade it for anything. I was trying to dig up the photograph of that little boy. We have somewhere I couldn't find it, um, the specific one. Just to show you, God has moments for you all throughout your life with Little boys with no shoes. Just little things, little moments like that where a simple yes that might interrupt your day may change all your stuff that if you were to get into it will help you discover something more about yourself. You'll grow in Christ. God will unfold something incredible in you and then you will release change in someone else's life as well and they'll be forever different. Don't settle. Don't settle for Sunday church. Don't, don't settle for less than you were created for. There's stuff that was prepared from eternity past for you to step into if you want it and if you'll do it. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? Well, let's stand together. I just want to pray for you today before I let you go. All of this begins with knowing Jesus, gang. Um, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you're like, okay, this Jesus thing, I don't, you know, don't know if I've done that, don't know all about it. That's absolutely where it starts. You were created to belong to family. It's not about getting into some weird cult or some kind of thing. Of course, I tell people it's all a cult. There's just good ones and bad ones. But, uh, <laughs> but in all seriousness, it's about family, right? It's about family. God has a family for you, a place where you can be encouraged and grow. And it all begins with choosing to follow Jesus. Jesus said to Peter on the seashore that day, he said, hey, 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 if you just come with me, come follow me, I will make you. I will make you a fisher of men. Everything that needs to unfold in your life, all the seemingly insurmountable hurdles and everything else, Jesus says, come follow me and I'll, take, I'll make that. I'll work in you. So we read earlier that he'll work in you all the way to the day that Jesus comes back to bring that work to completion. He's going to work in you. You just follow him. That's where it starts. And as my dad says so often, I love the phrase, the prayer, just from the heart. Jesus, I need a savior and you're it. I got no other place to go. Thank you for dying for me. I'm going to give my life to you. Thank you for forgiving me. 
Thank you for birthing me into family, right? Just a simple prayer. We're going to pray that in just a second. In addition, though, some of you need to have those three things that Jesus knew. That you need to get settled. If you're in Christ today and you're still dragging rocks instead of being launched from where you were, I want you to know today that, that Jesus came to deliver you from there. And he's taking you somewhere. Don't be so focused on the mess anymore. Get your eyes on Jesus and where he's taking you. And you can step into what he's created for. Know what's in you. If you know Jesus, he that's in you is greater than he that's in the world, the scripture says. Everything you need, he has provided in Christ. And if Christ resides in you, you can have full confidence. He's a good God and he does good things. Lastly, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit as we pray. I want you to ask, Spirit, where am I washing feet? Where do I need to be washing feet? What are you calling me to do? What are you asking of me? Where do I need to be washing feet? What are those things that you prepared for me? Because I want to step into it. Amen? Well, Father, I just pray uh, right now with this family here this morning. They've been so awesome to listen to me for a little bit, hang out together today. Thank you for being here with us. Father, for those of us here in, the, uh, in this moment, Lord, that, that doesn't know you, Lord, that we could just pray in this moment, that we could cry out to you. And says, Jesus, I need a Savior, and you're it. Looked everywhere else. You're the hope. Just come live in me. I want to follow you. Help me plug into family. That you created a family for me. And I'm not alone. Thank you for forgiving me for my mess. I want to live for you. And Father, for those of us in here today who are struggling, that we might be in you, but we don't really, we haven't really laid hold of or believe what's in us. That you've seated in us in the person of Jesus Christ. That he lives in our heart. That all authority in heaven and earth has taken up residence in us when we know Jesus. And that there's nothing that we face that can do us in. His dad says, Lord, that they can't plant us deep enough where we're not coming back up. That we will rise from the ashes of defeat. That we have hope and courage in the face of all circumstances because you are a God who is all-powerful and all-loving and you are good. And Lord, that we are not what we used to be, but that we are coming from somewhere and that you have purpose and destiny, that we're headed somewhere. I pray you just seed that confidence in some hearts today. And Lord, I pray that you would speak all across this place today about where we need to be washing feet and the things we need to get our hands out of. Some of us need to get our thumbs off of our phones and Facebook and get our hands into the life of somebody else. To bring groceries to our neighbor, to be a greeter at the door, to help out in the nursery, to serve in the local food pantry, whatever it is, Lord, as you would show us what, we're putting, what we should put our hands to. I love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.